0: Welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey, where we play 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons in a homebrew world designed by yours truly, with inspiration from other D&D authors and lore. We generally follow mechanics, but we greatly prefer role-playing, so I have a tendency to edit out lots of rules conversations and leave in the audio drama. If you're listening, then that's the style you probably like. Please tell a friend about us if you think they would get a kick out of the stories we tell. And to set realistic expectations, if you start playing D&D tomorrow, we record twice as much footage as makes the air, so expect a lot more dithering than you hear. Okay, last time on Carrots and Suffering. Our heroes hatch a plan to get to the last of their evidence and take down the corrupt mayor of Highlock.
1: I mean, I think we should just go speak with Like, Have him help us point out the evidence. Go to our spa day. Yes. Which is very important that we don't blow all this up first before doing that. And then, (laughs) I don't know, get Chester arrested. We don't even need to deal with all the people. That's my opinion. The
2: moment we catch Chester, Mary will destroy her records.
3: That's my concern.
1: Well, and if we need extra evidence, then before we arrest Chester, we'll make sure that this is enough legally.
3: All right. I agree. The next step is Like.
1: Go in the path of least work.
3: I see that. I see that.
2: (laughs) Be a good step to go compare this to the city treasury and find the discrepancy because that will be damning by itself.
3: That's the other reason why I was thinking Mary. Mm. Because she will have the other side of this. Agreed. The attempts to recover evidence turn hostile, perhaps by mistake. (laughs) I want to cast Hold Person on Kaima. Oh, we're doing... Okay, great. We're doing this. Okay. Yeah, that makes your decisions easy.
2: You drew your axe and turned around!
3: Usually
1: only one thing happens after that. I feel like you started this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And our story in Highlock is wrapped up in a nice little bow. Our camera follows a scene of our heroes with evidence in hand, surrounded by officers of the law. Chester is pulled from his pool, looking smug. In the next view, Chester's taken away and locked in the town jail. In the museum of Chester's house, Xeris takes a black porcelain hawk and smashes it, revealing a golden animal covered in gems. Hulane is seen pulling additional evidence from shelves. Creedon and Xeris are each seen talking to Con As the camera pulls back, we see Xeris and Creedon relaxing in Chester's spa. Cretan with cucumbers on her eyes, Zerus with his chessboard. But where is Buleen, who has never been seen not covered from head to toe? Then we spot her alone behind locked doors in a tub. Her back exposed shows a variety of elven characters, which say Vana Ullare, or Ghost of Youthful Beauty. <laughs>
2: And because I'm me, I actually wrote this letter. Can I read it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you can. Commit it to the podcast.
2: Nerd! (laughs) I know, I know. It's because I write better than I talk. (laughs) To the Honorable Judge of Sister Truth, presiding over the trial of one master like Friker's, greetings to you. May the fairness of Sister Truth reside prominent within your mind and within your soul, the peace of the Raven Queen. I am submitting here a personal statement on behalf of Master Friker's, whose trial you have the privilege and burden of adjudicating. I am part of the Dark Arbiters, the team that caught him and ended his banditry. I should first mention his willing cooperation since his capture to help us assemble and interpret the evidence we needed to bring down the corruption in Highlock and those profiting from it. He did not ask for a mercy deal in exchange for his help, which suggests his higher care for correcting the larger wrong here, even over saving his own life. While I cannot in any way condone Master Friker's means and methods, as he is guilty of both piracy and homicide, I can point to his plight regarding the intolerable extortion and racketeering practices that infested Highlock and his family's ancestral holdings. The corruption wound its way up to the top authority in Highlock, and I believe he felt truly powerless to act meaningfully in any other way. That is not to say he could and should not have pursued other means, though they be slower and more difficult than the path he did choose. He has paid for that error with his capture and the verdict he now faces, and he also has on his hands the lives of his fellow bandits, who fell during our altercation with him. Master Freikers is no innocent. However, I humbly request, Your Honor, that you consider the circumstances through the softened lens we enjoy from Divine Mercy. Freikers operated his heist for a full six weeks, and in that time killed one person. In observing his practices, I assure you he had ample opportunity to kill many more to make his point. The silent judge dutifully stewards the souls of the dead, and she also marks when she is not needlessly overworked. Friker's also saved my own life when he did not have to, and had no reason to. Indeed, he might have escaped us and his due justice if he had not saved me. I do not properly understand why he chose to do such a thing, but I do believe it lends no small credit to a certain noble nature that I beseech you not to overlook in your consideration of his fate. As a faithful follower of Sister Truth, I believe we must all face the consequences of our own actions and choices, and Master Frikers made many poor choices. But I believe there is nuance to these crimes, and with Master Frikers himself, please consider sparing his life, Your Honor, from the customary execution that might normally ensue from crimes of this caliber. I am not, to be clear, seeking his absolution or his freedom. As for myself and my credibility, I have not resided in Astragar for a very long time, but my mentor, Gavon Unayada, Bishop of the Silent Judge, still resides and practices in the Temple of Our Lady the Raven Queen. He will vouch for the authenticity of this writing and the sincerity with which I submit it to you. With my deepest respect and highest regards, Bulang Kualema, cleric of the Silent Judge. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Creedon's
1: like standing outside the door, taking notes, being like, man, is this the kind of stuff you learn and you live 300 years?
2: (laughs) You learn all sorts of legalese and formal language. It's great.
0: (laughs) So you hit the road to North Bank. Unlike the rest of the roads you've traveled on, there's something off about the road to North Bank. The closer you get to the town of North Bank, the more dull the world grows. The grass seems almost gray. The trees are brown and faded. You stop hearing bird calls. You stop seeing farm animals. And it's relatively safe. You don't need to roll me any survival checks or anything. Nothing seems to come out of the thorns. This side is wrong.
2: Can I do a nature roll to see if I can figure out what's going on? It's not one of my skills, though, so... Oh, that's not bad. 16 plus 1 is 17.
0: It's sort of like every plant and animal has the flu Mm. and has had some sort of low-grade disease for a long, long time.
2: So she still has her veil on, but she's looking around, and she says it is almost like something is sucking the life out of this place.
3: Are sounds muted, too? Not necessarily, but
0: the number of things making sounds is not nearly what it is the rest of the way around the thorns.
2: Sadie, can you fly up above us and see if you see anything? Like, anything at all?
0: Yeah, Sadie flies up. Go ahead and roll me a perception roll for yourself.
2: Thirteen. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sixteen. Fifteen. Fifteen. Four is fifteen. Okay, sorry. It's Sunday. There's no mathing on Sundays.
0: (laughs) What did it end up being? (laughs) Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. With a bird's eye view in a fifteen, you notice that there is some livestock near town, but they don't look healthy. There is unkept prairie grasses and lots of trees, but they all look quite sad. What's interesting with a fifteen, though, is Sadie can get high enough to see a perimeter. It's a perfect circle Hmm. around the lake. The lake, however, is a dried mud bed.
2: There is a perfect circle of this blight or whatever it is around the lake.
1: Are there any old local legends about this place and the lake?
0: You can roll history, but you'll have disadvantage because you are not from North Bank.
1: Sure, I'll try. Why not? Okay, with disadvantage, that's a 13.
0: Most of the local legends are about the Arch Sage Mason himself. He seems to be a figure that is looms large in politics and history around here. It's rare to hear local legends about anything else. But apparently, Arch Sage Mason has been actively working on this wasting disease in this area for a few hundred years now. It's Persistent.
2: <laughs> working to end it or working to perpetuate it?
1: <laughs> and can I ask, what exactly is the role of the arch sage? Is that kind of like, you know, Chester was? Like, is he just the mayor of this town? It sounds a
0: little more grand than that. So it does sound more grand than that. So in an age before Astragar expanded and took over this country of Fenrir, he was a probably an archmage and a noble, a count. He's the only person who still has a noble title, but he wasn't allowed to keep a noble title. So the title he has been given is Arch Sage. So he's the mayor, and he's a holdover from the previous regime. You imagine that people were expecting him to die a long time ago. Is he human? Yes.
2: So this is meta-knowledge from the last campaign, because I was in that one, but he is a mason. The name of the masons wouldn't be unknown in Astragar, right? I mean, Fenrir has only been gone 80 years.
0: There are still people named mason and people who do masonry around Astragar. It is not a noble name any
3: longer, though. It is the equivalent of Smith or Taylor. As we're discussing this, can I also run a history check for the lake? Yeah. Disadvantage? Yes. All right. Oh, six and seven. All right. I think that's going to be an 11, so nothing new.
0: This area is insular.
3: You know very little about it.
0: Do people avoid coming here? People avoid
3: coming here. People
0: do live here, but trade caravans tend to go the other way around the Thorns.
2: On this side of the Thorns, is it the only way to get to the rest of Astrogar? Like, you can't can't get around North Lake?
0: You can technically go out to the ocean, Mm. and then you'll have to do some some mountain climbing and some cliff scaling, but you could go around it, sort of. Okay.
1: There haven't been any reports of people bringing illnesses out or anything, is it? Basically, are we worried about walking into a zombie apocalypse or something?
2: (laughs) Or the plague zone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's not been quarantined. When people leave, they don't seem to take any diseases with them. It's just an unhealthy place. I think with your previous history check of 13, like, there's something in the air that's bad for people.
2: Hmm.
1: Well, let's do our work and not linger. Sounds good. Agreed.
0: You enter into North Bank. It's not a big place. There's only about 300 people who live here. There is one large stone manor house with a stone tower attached to it, which you assume is Archsage Mason's house. And then everybody else is sort of in a ramshackle farming hut kind of close together around a lake. The lake has a few old buildings that look dilapidated that you're guessing were like fisheries and other places long ago when there was water in the lake. But they are just abandoned shells of buildings now.
2: Are we agreed that we are using the original job of the missing apprentice to get into the house? And are we going to be more surreptitious about the other job of finding out who the arch sage really is?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, don't I definitely think we're we announcing be... it.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. I don't think we should be forthcoming about that. Besides, we did turn that job down. But I mean, if we find a lead, we are here. It might be worth some money from
2: Tanglebeard
0: you start heading up toward the manor. A couple people pop their heads out of little farmhouses and sort of look you over, and then go back inside. One of them will come walking up and introduce themselves. Hello, I'm Thaddeus. Good to meet
3: you. Uh, we don't get many visitors. What, what brings you to town? Hello, Thaddeus. Uh, we're here because we heard that the apprentice to the arch sage was missing, and we thought we might be able to help. Oh, uh, there was another group here that was working
0: on that. Dark edge of the pub, I believe. They just left town uh, yesterday, so it it might be resolved, but you wouldn't happen to be the Dark Arbiters, would you?
2: Why do you ask?
0: Well, uh, there's an invitation from my employer who would like to meet you. I believe Mayor Mason requested that if you came through town, that you stop by.
2: Ah, our reputation precedes us. (laughs) If people try not to come through this town, how did he come to hear about us?
0: Uh, You'd have to ask Lord Mason. He's a a very powerful wizard. A ridiculously powerful wizard. So I don't know how magic works, but I'm assuming magic.
2: What is it that you do for
0: him, Thaddeus? Oh, well, I'm his butler, if you prefer. Uh, That seems to be the title that I am sticking with. I... I just do whatever he needs. He spends most of his time locked in his tower, so it's been pretty slow the last couple of days, but I can take you over. We'd be happy to. Great. Come along. Come along. And Thaddeus, uh, you know, he he might be dressed a little nicer than your average farmer, but not by much. He kind of walks you up to the the mason house. There's some really sad-looking sheep in the front, chewing on the grass, and you hear an occasional chicken, but they sound sick. Thaddeus walks up and just opens the door and says, right this way.
1: I waltz in. I'm used to this kind of thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The inside of the Archsaid's Manor is nice but old. Right? So it's maintained but it's dated. Like, hundreds of years of dated. It's like you're kind of walking through a museum. You walk through a a really old-fashioned foyer and an old-fashioned study. Into an old-fashioned dining room, into an old-fashioned den, and he says, "If you'll wait here, I'll go knock on the tower door and see how the art sage is doing at the moment. Uh, just a moment.
3: I take a seat and look around.
1: This decor is so vintage. I love it."
0: <laughs> After a moment, Thaddeus will come back in and say, uh, "Okay, the art sage will see you, but we're going to be in the uh, the receiving room in the tower. So please follow me." You walk into the tower, and you feel something in the air. Boulain, please give me an intelligence saving throw.
2: Oh, shit. That's not one of my good saves, Nate. <laughs> well... It's gonna be old Tito dust and Mountain Dew. Thirteen.
0: You have trouble identifying what it is. You have passed through something, and it felt a little bit like walking through spider webs.
2: I think what she does is she she lifts the veil and puts that behind her head, and then she's running her fingers down her face for a second, and then looking at them and says, "Huh."
0: Thaddeus turns and says, "Oh, that's uh, uh, I believe that's the fairy ward. It um, isn't powerful enough to stop elves and dwarves, such as such as they are, but it uh, it would stop true fey from the fey wild."
2: The Archsage fears the fairies.
0: Again, you'll have to ask him about that. Apparently fairy wards were in fashion long ago. I see. Have a seat here, one second. And you see him walk over to this side of this room. So you're, you're in a receiving room. There's sort of a set of couches, a little fireplace in the corner. And the room is cut in half by a curtain. This really thick tapestry that runs the full length of the room. And he walks over and says, just, just a moment. And he grabs the curtain and starts pulling it back, revealing a paper wall, if you will. I think like a Japanese-style divider. And whatever's behind it is incredibly bright. But it it leaves a shadow of what looks like an, an old man on the paper from the opposite side of this divider. She will pull the veil back down in place. Thaddeus says, As you requested, sir, the dark arbiters have arrived. From the other side, you hear a You'll have to forgive my appearance. There's been a lab accident. Uh, Unfortunately, I am glowing as a result, and we will have to have the meeting through the the curtain to spare your eyes the damage. Apologies. How long ago
3: was your accident?
1: About a week and a half ago. Did you manage to cast a permanent light spell on yourself or something?
0: Unclear. (laughs) Not really sure what the problem is, but I'm sure it will wear off eventually. Can't seem to dispel it by traditional means so slowly but surely the passage of time will take care of it anyway let's do some pleasantries uh, i am arch sage mason uh, mayor of north bank last of the mason royal line which as you know is royal no longer i'm a wizard and when i am not wizarding i uh, like cats so, please tell me about yourselves.
1: Well, I am Creedon, an ad- adventurer, I suppose, and emissary of the Church of Divine Mercy. I don't know why I'm suddenly talking with a silly accent. <laughs> I will fix that.
2: <laughs> new town, new personality. It's all right. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> we
1: try that again. <laughs> I am Creedon, I am an adventurer and emissary of the Church of Divine Mercy
0: oh lovely divine mercy is always welcome in our town nice to meet you Cretan. who else do we have unfortunately i'm very backlit i can't see you
3: <laughs> i'm xeris i'm a follower of the sister of truth and i work to bring civilization to where it's either not or where it's been lost what a wonderful endeavor and
0: but I heard another voice who, who else is out there?
2: Uh, I am Bulane Kualema I am a cleric of the Silent Judge
0: Ah a Silent Judge always welcome as well
1: How did our reputation precede us? It appears that you knew we were coming but you do not know who we are
0: Well I learned that a group known as the Dark Arbiters was in Palmville and there was an incident involving undead uh, and I wanted to talk to you about that actually it's a uh, well, it potentially touches on an area of my research, so uh, what happened <laughs> is really the most direct way to ask the question.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: there was an incident about eighty years ago involving two of my fellow clerics. Palmville found itself beset with the beast coming out of the thorns when they came up. They resorted to raising the dead as a last resort to help them battle the Thorn's Beast, which is something of an anathema for us to carry out. We are not predisposed to work with the undead. And a paladin named Astra came to town to see what the issue was and gave in to a certain amount of wrath and decided to kill them and their family and they made a deal with a, she looks towards Zeros and says, an aberration named Vecna, who had aspirations to be a god in his own right, and he did something to them that kept them from being at rest. And the silent judge punished one of them for killing their children ahead of Astra being able to kill them. It was a mess, yes. is what it was. It, it was a big mess. <laughs>
0: Sounds like a lot. Any sight of divine retribution is carries a long history of unfortunate events.
2: Their apprentice, Sadie, is still with us today. The, she looks to Sadie and she says, The silent judge, I do not know if she relented on her judgment of the cleric Lamia, but she... Erase the signs of that judgment, and in her place was their apprentice, Sadie, who had just died.
0: Well, gods hold knowledge for a very long time. I would be surprised if the Silent Judge ever changes her judgment. Well, this is fascinating. Uh, Were you able to learn anything interesting about this Vecna character?
2: (laughs) Again, Buane turns towards Zerus.
3: He was... An evil usurper of godly power and needed to be banished. Hmm. Interesting. You'll have to forgive me for being a little forward. I have a
0: reason for asking about this. Vecna character, specifically.
2: Has he turned up here?
0: No, no, no. But I specifically study entities like Vecna for the Astragarian Empire. There are... Vestiges, if you will, of times before the Empire roaming around, and I keep track of those and eliminate them or remove their influence when I can.
3: To the best of our knowledge, we've removed that influence.
0: Yes. Well, with a character as slippery as Vecna, I'm sure you've removed it from Palmville. The question I have for you was there any artifacts left behind. Perhaps a hand, an eye. Which sect has given you or your authority? It's a tough question to answer, actually. I was appointed by astragarian Contessa. Uh, out um, character, is that like the me. queen? That was the core prophet and originator of the church. Belaine
2: shrugs and she says it would make sense for her to want to eliminate aberration influences on the current religion once she established it
3: i I did burn the library that was present, save for two books. Thank you. That is good
0: work. It, typically, when someone encounters one of these vestiges, it's rare, and that information is incredibly privileged. Generally, we would consider this a state secret without further ado then. I would like to offer you an invitation to join an exclusive organization.
2: That is never a nefarious-sounding prospect.
0: (laughs) I'd be
3: interested in hearing more.
0: (laughs) The Silver Thread was founded by Astrogarian Contessa 500 years ago for the express purpose of removing hostile and counter-divine influences from the realm. Well, uh, to be honest, I don't
3: need to hear more. Yes.
1: The Silver Thread is a pretty good group name.
3: Dark Arbiters of the Silver Thread.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> Boulain, questions? Creden questions? I need a yes before I continue because I'm about to tell you something very top
3: secret.
1: What does it pay? What do we do?
0: Oh, it does not pay. It does
3: not pay. What we do is provide more justice and stability to the realm by removing these threats. It's a calling. I think you've seen the
0: damage a vestige can do, and we prevent exactly those things from happening.
2: Are you trying to erase all knowledge of them historically? Because that is where mm. I take issue. Or sage.
0: <laughs> Good question. No, we are not trying to erase the fact that they existed, but they are not supposed to be in this realm. We are evicting them.
2: What if their involvement in the doings of our current pantheon have found their way into our lore and even into some of our practices?
0: Uh, that is a normal evolution of dogma. That is not a concern. I'm actually concerned about the, the physical entities and their power. I see. What they do, what they say, irrelevant.
1: Am I not going to be able to tell people about all the cool stuff we're doing for this?
0: You will not be able to tell anybody about anything Uh, you're doing for this. uh, Including this entity known as Vecna. I would appreciate it if you never mention that again.
2: Boolean says, think of it as a point of smugness that you know something that people do not. Oh no, I was already sold. (laughs)
0: Boulain, I have not heard a yes yet and I cannot give you more information until you agree All right, I agree excellent Thaddeus and the, the butler over in the back corner says yes sir, this is the part where you leave and Thaddeus says yes sir and he turns and closes the door and walks out Thaddeus isn't much of a soldier or a spy or anything so he doesn't get to hear more than he has already heard did you learn anything interesting about this Vecna
3: character? Again. I f- found a book that would not burn.
2: Which contained a spell for his summoning.
3: Yes. Mm. That sounds like Vecna.
2: He fancied himself a god of secrets.
0: Long ago. He was.
2: And sought to challenge the Silent Judge, a conflict from which she prevailed.
0: I'm about to offer you a, a bit of missing history from the world. I hope you're prepared to listen before the creation of the empire there were many many gods there are multiple ways a god can be formed in some ways the the universe wakes up one day and realizes a truth about itself and that becomes a god these are things like the green man and the radiant one and the luminous one they are fundamental concepts of the universe there is however a second way that gods can be made and that is after a mortal passes into the divine realm, well, into the realm of death, if you will. They're very similar. If people continue to worship them, they can return in a new form. A demigod, if you will, or a vestige, perhaps. Astragarian Contessa sought to eliminate the vestiges. She held a great council amongst the twelve tribes of mortals in this realm, and they agreed to accept only a subset of the gods. All the others were banished. Not all of them went willingly.
2: Sir, are you an elf?
0: An elf? No. No,
2: no, no. How is it that you knew Astrogart to Contessa? She died 500 years ago.
0: She did, yes. I am 900 years old. Ish.
2: And how is that possible?
0: Magic. How do I learn that? You don't. It's really ill-advised.
2: Well, you seem to be doing okay. Your land does not. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: That is a problem. I believe that that is the influence of a vestige, and I am here because as long as I sit here, it hides from me.
1: How are you certain that you are not the cause?
0: Before I arrived, this was a problem, and it Ah. has stayed that way since I got here.
2: Why are you blocking the Fae?
0: Blocking the Fae? Oh, oh, from the front door. Ah, there is an extremely powerful Fae with influence over the region in the thorns. It's the cause of the thorns, and as a result, I don't let your average fairy roam around. Just a standard defensive precaution.
1: So you want us to hunt for this old vestige of Vecna that you believe is here?
0: Uh well the old vestige of Vecna is not here. That is the one you chased out of Palmville. Okay. So vestiges have to have some thing, some source of power that holds them into the world that they are in. In the case of Vecna, I believe that's that book. So you can do me a favor by finding and destroying that book. As for the vestige that I am sitting on, it is a god of disease. Mm, Former god of disease.
2: Does it have a name?
0: Uh, Probably not one that you would speak. I'd prefer not to name it, honestly. Or even to have anyone remember that it exists, if I can help it. He's... she's... It's... hostile.
2: It is centered in the lake. Perhaps. We had been given to understand that your apprentice was missing. Did the dull end of the bar find him <laughs> for you?
0: They didn't check back in before leaving town.
2: Ah. Very rude.
0: My apprentice invented a new kind of spell. It kills your mortal form and brings you back as a ghost, but allows you to keep your ability to cast magical spells. A rare form of ghost, indeed. That sounds... Anyway, I told him he can't cast it, and he left. As far as I know, the sharp edge of the pub burnt down an old mages' guild building north of town, and then fled? Maybe they got him, maybe they didn't. Welcome to the mid roll. Today, choosing a race for your D&D character. So here is Nate's take on D&D races. All good stories that humans tell are actually stories about humans. All the D&D races are actually human. Follow me on this reasoning, because the literal words are different in the book. As humans, we don't really have great ability to dream up something truly alien. We base everything we make on something in our world, and that's going to be true for the races we make and the cultures we assign to them. The standard trick, honestly, for making a playable character race is to take some aspect of humans, turn it up a little bit. Dwarves are honorable, tough, hard workers, and short. All words that describe people I know in real life. Elves are artistic, long-lived, cultured, appreciators of the finer things. Again, people I know in real life. This is a game about groups of people. So it doesn't matter what fantasy race you pick for your character, human's just as good as anything else, because in the end, you're trying to tell a human story. Even if you want to play a robot or a cat or something, you're going to have a core of a human there, and that's what's going to make the story interesting for other humans to hear. And you are a human. With that in mind, there are a few ways to pick a character race. The first is to decide that You want to go with something right out of the book, a kind of a generalization, if you will. In this model, you're choosing a stock character to portray in a fantasy book that you're all writing together. It's a great writing trip. Are you going to play the jock or the cheerleader or the fantasy equivalents? You can even choose a character from some popular media or a fantasy series and just go for that vibe with your character. That's probably the best for new players, because they can just get it really quickly without having to do any research. Another method is to choose bonuses and powers that complement your objectives for the game. If you want to play an amazing archer, you should probably pick something that gets a bonus to dexterity, and then you'll be 5% more likely to succeed on archery rolls. This is probably the best method for someone who likes tactics and combat. The third method is my favorite. Reward your dungeon master for the work they did, or the game designer, by dipping into the lore for that character's race. If you don't want to do this, just play a human. But if you do want to branch out, use the elements that this person spent time and energy building to design your character. Make yourself a part of the politics they laid out. Make yourself a part of the parts of the world that they laid out. All that said, here is what you should avoid. Because all characters are actually humans, described in human terms, you can make associations between the people who exist now, or did exist in history, and the traits that you chose to apply to your fantasy race. You can achieve, essentially, prejudice with stereotypes, just like you can do with real humans, and You will kind of do it with real humans. If one of those humans sees what you're doing and takes offense, well, then then it happened. So here's my rule of thumb. The story is probably not about what you think of a certain real-world group, so don't do something that distracts the players at the table from the task of writing the story they want to see. You're playing a pretend person. Just play a pretend person. Anything is possible, so just make good choices. You can do anything. Why not do cool things?
3: Do you have access to silvered and or less mundane weapons? Yes.
2: Good call. We will probably need those.
0: I... um...
2: Have you gone to the center of the lake to see if this old god is there?
0: I have, and I suspect all of the power it is using is going into hiding from me.
2: Will
1: it not similarly hide from us? I mean, we're uh, pretty tough.
0: (laughs) It doesn't know you, and that's a good thing.
2: We're level nine combined.
0: (laughs) As a result, it's probably not hiding from you. Fortunately, the rules of the Silver Thread, I am not able to recruit people who have not already learned the existence of the vestiges
2: so there is nobody in this town who could help us aside from you who cannot help us because it won't come out
0: yep that's it also i can't leave this building until this spell wears off
3: i i want to take a step back please zeris so
0: mm, you believe that there
3: are other gods
0: no i believe that there are entities that were considered gods and still try very hard to be them. However, they have been barred from this realm, and it is our duty to remove them.
3: All right, that that sounds better. Great.
2: Fooley nods and says, There is nothing that I know of where that goes against any doctrine, to recognize that once there were other gods.
0: There were once people who worshipped trees because they had grown quite large. There were once... People who worshipped mountains because they shook the earth from time to time. Some of these things became real in a magical sense. That doesn't make them gods. It does, however, make them rather dangerous and powerful. When the vestiges were banished from this realm, the ones that were
3: particularly mean chose not to leave. Right. This This sounds closer to my understanding.
2: I have a question surrounding a being that is fancying itself a god of disease. I understand that it is a malevolent being and you want it gone. And why you would want it gone? My question is, is there a chance that it is actually connected to disease as it works in the world and would removing him remove disease from the world? Because that is not something we should do.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, tipping the balance of the world would be a problem. The good news is that the gods that we worship keep this world in balance. Disease is now the purview of the Green Man, and that is where it should remain. This entity is a leech at this point, at best.
2: Well, should we go have a look? I think we should. After arming ourselves with some
3: silvered weapons? (laughs) Yes. Where can we find the appropriate equipment? Well, it's in this tower. Give me a moment.
0: Zerus, I, again, cannot see you. What is your weapon of choice? The largest axe you have. Creeded.
1: I'm typically just good with my wand, but I suppose i if you perhaps have any scrolls or anything with spells that you think might be useful to us, I tend to not be able to cast too much magic in one setting, so some additional
2: spells could be useful if that's available. Blaine? I, too, am a spellcaster, but I also carry a quarterstaff and a hand crossbow. If you have silvered bolts, I could use those.
0: I'm going to slide this around in just a moment uh, around the divider. If you could do me a favor and close the curtain, I'll just shove it under the curtain.
1: All right. Of course. Elaine goes and closes the
2: curtain.
0: The curtains are big and thick, and it blocks out most of the light. And then you hear the like, scratching noise like the room dividers being shoved a little bit. And then out from under the curtain shoves first a large axe. It is a great axe. Excellent. It has a silver head and it is a plus one axe. So it'll do plus one attack, plus one damage. Ooh, nice. Counts as magic and silver for the purposes of damage reduction. Wow. Very nice. Pushing again under the curtain is a scroll case. When you open up the scroll case, there are three... One is Remove Curse, one is Lesser Restoration, and one is Greater Restoration. A small quiver of crossbow bolts gets shoved out. They have silver tips, and they are plus one crossbow bolts. sweet. There are 20 of them. Oh. And then you hear a scratching noise as the you assume the panel is pushed back into place. And then in very muffled, kind of shouting through the curtain, he says...
2: She opens the curtain again and she says, Do you have a library of the lore that you have collected so far that we could access? No. Is he lying? 19 <laughs> insight. Is he lying?
0: The words this person has chosen are being chosen carefully. Mm-hmm. And you suspect there were some half truths in a lot of this conversation. But when he says no, the answer is no. Okay. I generally don't. Keep any holy or unholy texts for fear that someone will find them and pick up the worship again.
1: He's like a shiny Santa. He is like a shiny Santa. <laughs> Do you have any other allies, uh, members of the, it was the Silver Thread, correct? That are in this town or others that we should know of?
0: There are a few in Astragar. Actually, none other in Fenrand, Well, except for you now. There aren't very many of us, and we, uh...
1: Sorry,
2: did you say none other in Fenrir?
0: Correct.
1: That would explain why you were so forthcoming
2: with all of this. Are there are there people alive in Fenrir?
0: On the other side of the thorns, there are people who are alive. On the inside.
2: This is not widespread knowledge, my lord.
0: No. No, it is not. But I can tell you, as far as I can tell, there are no vestiges there either.
2: Because of the fae.
0: Yes, well, the Fae are their own problem. But they are good at one thing, and they don't like the vestiges either.
2: How do you know?
0: I send communications magically into and out of the area. There are an occasional spellcaster that I can make contact with.
2: Uh, that is fascinating, sir.
0: Well, you don't need to concern yourself with what's inside the thorns. They can't get out. We can't go in.
2: All right. Well, to the lake.
3: Or while we're in town, do we want to check out the burning building first?
1: Also, are we going to have to swim a lot? I'm not, probably not the strongest
3: swimmer. The lake is dry.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It is a (laughs) mud pit, so you will get quite dirty. Forgot about that. well. (laughs) I can work around that. Get your prestidigitation ready. Um, Yes, I think we should go look at the burned out building and see what we find there.
0: So, you head down to the lake. The lake is a terrible muddy pit. That just stretches for yards and yards and yards around the edge of it, there are actually mud fishermen who seem to dig down in the mud for frogs and other critters. usually they're they're instead of fishing, they have a shovel. but it is dumpy. What are you doing like
1: the like the town the town the- and
0: the mud pit and the abandoned warehouses and fisheries and docks that just sort of lie with no water under them. Does it smell Is, bad? It Probably.
2: Yeah. It, Ugh. Sitting mud does not tend to smell pleasant.
3: Does anyone seem to have vehicles or good options for traversing the lake? No, they seem to crawl out in really big
0: boots.
2: Are there any piers or docks that used to go out into the lake when it had yep. water that are still, still there? they're still there. Can we go out on one of those? Are they sturdy?
0: Yeah, okay. They're in pretty good shape. Nobody's been maintaining them because they're of no use right now, but they're in okay shape. Bulain
2: will send Sadie to circle around the lake and try to see the middle of it from above, and she tells her to stay high.
0: Okay. What's she looking for? Anything specific?
2: We would like to know what is out there. If it's the center of this blight that's happening to the area, then it would be good to know if there's anything at the center.
0: Yeah, she just reports back a muddy pit.
2: She catches Sadie on her arm and says, Well, there is nothing visible out there. When are we going to get
1: a mission that involves going to a nice party and finding out intel
2: or something? I am
1: so sick of these mud pits.
2: We did just get done with a big spa adventure.
1: After walking through the swamp for three
2: (laughs) days. Which was your fault. (laughs) Look, mistakes were made. <laughs> Consequences were <for> had. <laughs> I wonder if, any, if there is a shop in town that can sell us proper
3: boots. I think that'd be easy enough to find. I'm going to literally try to see if I can sense anything. I'm just going to sit still, close my eyes, and try to feel for anything unnatural that's not this field around us, which is also going to create a problem. Roll me your religion check. Alright. That's a thirteen.
0: You sit down and try to jive a little bit. match the vibe with this lake. You think you feel something in your mind. Just a little bit, and then roll me a con save, please. Oh, shit.
3: It's a low-scoring day today. That's an eleven. In the morning, you will have a cold.
2: Oh, no. Sir, you can't get sick. You're our mighty tank. <laughs> You're our mead shield.
0: <laughs> but with a 13, like, you do think there's something around here. It gives you that hair standing on edge, feeling of being watched. There's something here. I'm not able to pinpoint anything specific. Fair enough.
1: How long will it take us to get to the center?
0: Basically, it's a big, trompy, muddy mess. So, I mean, you probably want to spend 10 minutes or you'll end up Covered in mud. Difficult terrain. Okay.
2: Creedon, can you use one of your cantrips to dry up the terrain as we go? Possibly. I think that Prestidigitation might allow... I gotta
1: look it up. The giant list of things that Prestidigitation can do, although this is probably a DM discretion thing. Can I, like, suck a little bit of water out of a trail in front of us? I think we will
0: use Dampen and Dry as an extension of Dirty and Clean... So sure, slowly but surely, you can clomp on drier mud on your way out there.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Success?
2: (laughs) I mean, better than sinking up to her thighs. Just every five feet shooting a little
1: heart (laughs) in the ground.
2: (laughs) Good thing I don't get tired doing this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like playing with a fidget spinner. (laughs) You get to the middle. It is exactly what you would have thought would be here. Just so much mud.
3: I will investigate.
0: Okay. Give me your investigation
3: check, please. Nine. Yep. Low score in day.
0: Anybody else?
2: Oh, shit. Yes, I will do the same thing. Nat
1: one, maybe...
3: This 14. is it. We found the den of the beast.
0: <laughs> Fourteen. With a net one. Your boot gets stuck. You have one leg down to the knee, submerged in ah. mud, and you are stuck. Boulaine with a 14, as you go to help Creedon get out of the mud, you find a leg. That is not Creedon's.
2: Ah. <laughs> well, actually, she's not squeamish about this stuff. I am! Can I use thaumaturgy to make her boot tighter around her leg and then yank it out of the mud?
0: Mm, you could shake the ground, and I would say that that could achieve the same effect.
2: Okay, we'll do that. We'll do that. She she uses thaumaturgy to vibrate the ground a little bit. Like, hey. Don't shake the ground with me, Anna. We are trying to get you out of the ground. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Creighton knows this isn't dangerous. She's just freaked out. <laughs> you know, paranoid at all of your ideas.
0: When you use thaumaturgy to shake the ground, a large bubble pops up out of this mud and just explodes. And there's a corpse. Oh, Ugh.
2: she will't get me out <laughs> we got you out. we got her yep. out right you're out, okay, you're out. You just have a big, heavy muddy boot. Blaine will not touch the corpse, but she's going to kneel down near it and study it.
3: me as well. Medicine check would be
0: appropriate.
3: My check is actually I'm going to look for does it have anything on it jewelry. No, and it's been in the mud for a while,
0: so it's a little stinky. It looks like it might have been dressed as a farmer.
3: My goal is to look for any marks of religious affiliation. None.
0: 17 medicine. Bulane, this thing died of some sort of acute plague. There are boils all over its face and hands.
2: Do we need to worry it's still active? Is this a recent death? It looks like it's been here for a little while, but you should worry. Bulane puts her hand out and says, we should not touch this at all. This this person died of some kind of plague that is probably contagious. She points out the
3: boils. Do you have the ability to sense dead creatures?
2: I can sense the undead.
3: So, uh, no.
2: I, no, I do not have the ability to sense more corpses that are not already animated. They
1: tend to not put out much magic. A lot of Magical tracking does rely on other magic.
3: I'm going to go 15, 20 feet away from where we are. Okay. And I'm going to start using my axe, I guess, to trawl the mud. Give me another investigate roll. Not with that die. Oh, that's that's an eight.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> you you find a big fat toad. <laughs> Looks like it might fry up nice. I mean, I'll keep at it for a bit, but...
2: Ghoulain will cast Eyes of the Grave and see if there
0: are undead within 60 feet of us. You sense the presence of undead in the lake below you. Oh, shit, really? Yes. The point that you can sense it from is that corpse that you have uncovered.
2: Okay. Elaine stands up and she she has the veil in front of her face, but she says, there are undead beneath us, and this corpse seems to be the center of that activity.
3: Alright. Is there a
2: chamber below us? I think we maybe should pick the arch sage's brain about the history of this lake.
3: Would you step back?
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what are you about to do? You're going to cut the corpse in half?
3: You said it's undead.
2: That's what she sensed, right, Nate? That this corpse is also one of the undead? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, this corpse is definitely undead.
1: One moment. I'm going to touch Zerus and give him protection from evil and good. Accept it. Keep him off me.
3: I step up and just swing an axe on the thing laying in the ground. I mean, it's a great axe, so I'll swing it from the longest distance possible, but that's not that far. Okay. Just make an advantage attack roll. give me an advantage attack roll.
2: Creedon, we need to be ready to run.
3: (laughs) I've rolled a natural 20. Um, Oh, nice. With my plus one, it's gonna be 12, 16.
1: Uh Uh-oh, he's he's busting out the book.
0: (laughs) Gonna roll a constitution saving throw. You hit this thing; it does not react. You split it open; it bubbles.
3: Oh! There's a horrific smell. It does not look animate.
0: If it's alive, it did not respond to being chopped, so it clearly doesn't feel a pain. Elaine says, "Stand back." Give me a Constitution saving throw. Those of you who are within ten feet of this corpse. That would be me. I think I had
1: stepped
2: back.
0: Thirteen. So I had stepped back. You're retching from the smell. It is so bad. Sit back and
2: barf. (laughs) Bulane is going to cast her new cantrip at this thing, which is Word of Radiance. Okay. It needs to make a con save. And it affects all creatures in a five-foot range, so if there's other undead around it, it would affect them too. Okay.
0: You hit it with this radiant energy, and it bubbles. She does one point of radiant damage to it. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, Bubbles.
2: Gross.
1: I mean, can I try to hit it with an was? splash? Let's just all throw something at it. So Is that necrotic know? damage?
0: I think you're going to get interrupted here. <laughs> oh. With
2: the need to run.
0: Something moves under the mud. And you see the mud rise up a little bit and shift right next to this corpse. Let's call it a tentacle. Wraps around this corpse's waist and
3: sinks it down back into the mud.
0: Shall we
2: go?
3: (laughs) Just when we found our quarry?
2: I am just, well, I suppose there is nowhere to go to learn more about it. From
3: the docks.
0: You see some mud fishermen? They basically have giant galoshes and a bucket and a shovel. There's like five of them all just staring at you from the docks like, what the hell are these people doing?
1: I mean, we can try to fight and run if it doesn't seem to be going well might not be quite as difficult to get away after I
2: dried out our little ground path.
3: Well, unfortunately, there's not much to fight right now without a way to draw it out. Mm.
2: Do you have any ideas for properly pissing it off?
3: Can I trawl the corpse? I mean, I saw where the corpse went down. You did. Can I just use my axe and pull it back up.
0: Sure. Give me a athletics roll.
3: How badly do I want to pull this thing up?
0: From the shore,
1: they're just like that's a weird type of fishing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're not doing it right at all. <laughs> ax, ax fishing. Yeah, Fuck's sake! I'll I'll go
3: ahead and I'll rage, and I will pull it up. Mm, 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 mm. Twenty-one.
0: Yeah, you grab a hold of it, and it slips. It slips out from whatever was holding it. Like there was, it met a little bit of resistance, and this corpse is back out on top of the
3: mud i will ready an action to attack if the tentacle comes back up
2: okay i will ready an action to cast hold person if that tentacle comes back up
0: i'll just ready and i'll just i will remind you that hold person does require a humanoid
2: oh it does damn it and
0: tentacles do typically not correspond to humanoids. Damn it.
2: never mind
3: that's not what she's going to do <laughs> With arms and legs
2: the tentacle, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like one of many legs. <laughs> mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: You'd have to decide what you're going to do, because in a moment, shit's going to hit the fan.
2: All right. She's going to cast Sacred Flame on anything that comes up.
0: Great. Three tentacles burst out of the mud around this corpse surrounding Zerus and begin to whip about wildly. I attack.
2: Sacred Flame. <laughs> <laughs> I right, it, it needs to make a deck yeah. save.
0: The AC you're trying to hit is 14. I got a 13 on my deck save.
2: 13 on it. That's not enough. Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> okay. So that's one. That's two one damage rolls I've done this game. <laughs> that's cool. Eldritch blast does a 22 to hit. That'll hit. Does
1: eight force damage.
3: My swing is a 16 to hit. That will also hit. 16 slashing radiant silver damage
0: you all smack it the tentacles jerk about as you hit them but they are going to take a swing before pulling back into the mud one swing at xeris 23 to hit
1: a reminder that if it is a aberration celestial elemental fey fiend or undead it has disadvantage
0: i will re-roll that the 10 will probably not hit a second tentacle one doesn't hit And a third tentacle, a nine, does not hit. The magic of your buff from Creedon seems to be repelling these tentacles as they beat at you, and then they suck back into the mud. That was
3: unpleasant. Unpleasant.
1: Why are there so many giant sea creatures around this place?
2: Well, it was a lake.
1: Yeah, and there was the giant crocodile, and there was the hydra. The
0: tentacles looked very fungal. Ooh. Ugh.
3: Like mausilia? I don't know what that word is. Mushrooms. So I'm going to say yes. <laughs> it's the thin fabric.
1: It's like the gills on the bottom, right?
2: Or is that something else? I mean, mycelia usually refers to mushrooms and fungus.
3: Mycelia is the root-like structure of a fungus consisting of massive branches and thread-like hyphae. Perfect. That's exactly what that was.
2: <laughs> We're being attacked by underground fungus. I hate it. Bulain, who knows something of the things in the ground that consume bodies once you bury them, says, This thing is probably quite huge. Should we go maybe talk to the mage
0: or arch sage? All okay, right. So you troll up your way back to the dock and the six or seven guys who are standing there are like, What the hell are you guys doing?
2: archaeology
0: saving the town what she said (laughs) roll me persuasion we're the dark arbiters lane that was a deception uh but persuasion is a skill i have then why'd you you go deceiving people (laughs) because i was
1: trying to keep them calm seven (laughs) and ten from me i rolled a four
3: and i'm rolling persuasion which means i've scored a nine
1: (laughs) We're very good members of a secret society. That's a
3: solid fail.
1: We caused a
2: panic today.
0: (laughs) One of them looks at you and says, I I don't want to see you on our lake again. Excuse us. All six of these people just stomp away. Well. Apparently
3: you made a terrible impression or something.
2: It's not not theirs. (laughs) We pissed off the fungoctopus, and we pissed off the locals.
3: Oh, don't worry. If you make a problem of it, I'll make sure you don't see me again.
2: (laughs) Oh, good. <laughs> Talk shit now.
3: <laughs> They've already laughed. <left>. I just...
2: <laughs> Let's just keep digging ourselves deeper. <laughs> just deeper. <laughs> okay,
0: back to the arch sage, I guess. You get back to the manor. You're muddy. Yep, I'm not. Thaddeus is just hanging out on a bench.
3: He looks up and says, Oh, you're back. That was quick. How'd it go? We require more information. Ah. Uh... Well, you could ask around town.
1: (laughs) I don't know if that will go too well for us.
3: We would like to talk to the Archmage fairly quickly about what we found so far and maybe some ideas on how to deal with it.
0: He lets you in and he pulls the curtain back again. And again, there's an outline of a man. He sits down a book and says, you're back. What's what's wrong?
2: Well, we found a plague infested corpse found quite a bit of undead underneath the center of the lake and some tentacle fungus-like things that came up and claimed the corpse.
0: Interesting. When I go there,
3: none of that's there. Well, it's not there. It's under the mud.
2: Okay. And I think we are going to need means larger than ours to either excavate it or piss it off enough to expose it.
0: Divine vestiges don't hide very well, generally speaking. Somebody in town has to know something about this
3: creature. And what do you suggest we do for asking around about it without acknowledging its existence?
0: Yeah, a vestige craves worshippers. Relatable. (laughs) If I were you, I guess I would recommend shopping for a new church.
2: That is not a bad idea. Caden
1: just glances at Cirrus, because I feel like that, that is, is absolutely not absolutely <laughs> like the worst <laughs> That's of... not
2: his brand.
3: That is the worst idea ever. Yes, however, however
2: is. if we go in saying we are here to root out their their false faith, they are going to clam up and possibly become hostile. If we pretend to be interested in their false faith, we may stand to find out quite a bit about it.
3: Yes, you may.
2: I will say I could probably disguise myself to be a very convincing cultist.
3: I think I will be in a burned-down building.
2: I was thinking about taking that bath first, but we could go see the building.
3: (laughs) We can bed for the night and take a look in the morning. The light may help.
0: This is true. All right, let's go shower. Get a nice, good shower in. You head to bed at the inn. They're overjoyed to have people come stay here. (laughs) They all have the sniffles and they're looking really pale, but they are just so thrilled that someone's here. They go all out on dinner. I
3: By the eat way, all nothing. The... I was going to say, all the meat tastes really gamey and old.
0: <laughs> no,
3: I I eat nothing from these people. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, I'm just like, why don't I purify some drinks? <laughs> Imagine if they have, like, well water that, like, smells like sulfur
2: and is just gross.
3: I eat my rations.
2: Yep. I think Belaine sticks to rations as well.
3: <laughs> and and honestly, if Belaine or Creedon do, like, try to sample the local fare, I'll be like, remember... They fish from that lake.
2: Mm. No, I am not going to eat anything from here. Boolean says very quietly so that the hosts don't hear. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to eat suspect meat.
1: If it looked good, I would probably eat it, but...
0: <laughs> they bring you a free appetizer of fried frog legs, and you can quickly dump them in a plant or something.
1: Yeah, just mage-hand them into the... Out the window. Uh, just <laughs> 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 Out the wind, under the table to the to the bar dog. <laughs> Do you want to try to ask them questions, Creedon? So, what can you tell me about this lake before it was uh, quite so muddy? How long has it been this way?
0: Oh, it's been a mud hole for as long as I've been alive. And how old are you? Me? Oh, 60-ish. Ah, you don't look a day over 50. Oh, that's very sweet and kind of you, but literally no traveler has ever said, I look younger (laughs) than I am. (laughs) I'm really excited to have you guys here, man. Travelers are rare. They have to be hiding from Palmville on their way to become a pirate or some crap before they come to this town.
1: You know, we uh there there was a, a another group that had gone through here that we were thinking we might be able to meet up with.
0: Yeah, yeah, Max. I remember Max, he's awesome.
1: Yeah. What uh what did they get up to while they were here?
0: Uh apparently um a couple people saw a ghost. So they were looking into like ghost sightings. Anyway, people see weird things. A lot of people are feverish around these parts.
2: Yes, there does seem to be something going around. What what other kind of weird stuff do people see?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, like, well, supposedly, um, you know, you don't go down to the lake at night because something will get you. People have seen all kinds of swamp things coming out of the lake, you know. He describes this creature that is all fangs and teeth says oh oh and then and then gosh there was a string of ghosts and then somebody got murdered it was terrible. The local alchemist actually got uh just got deaded.
1: At at his own
0: oh, yeah. shop yeah. or no sign of forced entry but uh something something got him. Did that happen recently? Oh yeah. No it happened while well, the sharp edge of the pub was here.
2: Has that body been oh. buried?
3: Yeah. Was it given rights when it was buried?
0: Yeah, absolutely. By whom? Well, uh, so the town priest went missing the other day. We assume he left town people People don't like to live here very long some of them some of them chicken out
2: all right. Can you tell me where uh where this the alchemist was
1: buried?
0: Yeah, there's a little there's a little graveyard
1: who was investigating this murder? Is there a town constable?
0: No, no, there's just the mayor and then and then Thaddeus second in command, but no he hasn't he hasn't investigated anything as far as I can tell.
2: No. We understand that the dull corner of the tavern burned <laughs> down a building. Can you tell us where that building is?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, okay. So back when Fenrir was a thing, before Astragar came down, there was a mages guild, a wizards guild. It was a little uh, stone tower north of town. Had wood work all on the inside. Anyway, it burnt for a solid 2 days. Probably still smoking.
1: And back to that earlier tale about people seeing monsters in the lake, if you go there at night, you'll never come back. Have people actually been lost in the lake at night? Or is that more of, you know, what you tell your kids so they don't go get stuck in the
0: mud? Some people eventually just get sick of living here and they leave, and uh, they don't they don't say goodbye. So we just sort of, there's a, a tale that they get eaten by the lake monster. So just a boogeyman. Nobody's ever seen it.
2: <laughs> Until today. Yeah, were were those
1: guys that were watching us from the shore, like, They didn't react to seeing this tentacle
2: come up? Nope. Ah. Hmm. But they were close enough to see it.
0: Uh, it would have been a hard to see, but, I mean, mud was flying everywhere. Something was obviously causing that, but they didn't seem to react to that.
1: I think that maybe we should go find those that were watching us. They did seem rather unfriendly, and it definitely had nothing to do with our very good words.
2: (laughs) Had nothing to do with our suspicious activities or the lies that we told to (laughs) cover them up. (laughs) Bulane describes the locals who were shirty with us and says, do they sound familiar to you? Do you know where we might be able to find them?
0: Uh, they'll probably come in for a beer just before just before dark and then go home for the night.
2: What time is it right now, out of character?
0: I mean, I think it's getting fairly close to dark. If you hang out here for a bit, they should come in.
1: Yeah, I whispered to Zerus and Bulane. I don't know. I think that maybe if they were worshipping this god, they may be interested in people getting taken by it. Might want us to stay out of the lake because we live. That's something to think about. They they would have had to see something. And they spend a
2: lot of the time in the lake. They may also be sacrificing people to it to keep it at bay. I, exactly. Which might be what happened to the alchemist. I think we should visit this grave and the burn guild. Was it a shop or a church?
3: the alchemist shop, and the, also where the priests lived. Yes, I think all that deserves investigation.
2: Do we want to do that tonight or tomorrow?
3: Well, I thought we were going to wait for the fishermen and see if we can repair or discover more. Also, on the note of what we're doing tonight, I'm, I'm sorry to let you all know, but baths are also a bad idea.
1: <sighs> okay, that's fine. Elaine that
2: <laughs> that. <laughs> nods with some regret and says he has a point. Unless you have purify food and drink and you can purify water.
1: (laughs) I do not, but I think I'm going to bathe anyway.
0: Three guys come in in mud galoshes, take them off by the door, and then walk in barefoot to the bar where the innkeeper pours them each a beer.
3: I go to sit to a table by myself and pull out a chessboard.
0: I don't think any of these people know how to play chess.
3: Yes, I think it will keep me far away from them while everyone else talks.
1: Want to eavesdrop on them for for a couple of minutes, like maybe make fake, I'll I'll let Blaine know what I'm doing, but we can make like small talk, quote unquote, while I'm trying to eavesdrop.
0: They're talking in hushed tones about some idiots who are fishing with an axe. One guy tries to sell the innkeeper a bucket full of frogs.
3: Is that successful
0: or not? Yeah, the innkeeper will buy a bucket full of frogs. What? He pays coppers for it.
3: Don't forget, Creedent, you don't have to see them as the same person who they rejected.
1: Oh, that's true. I may just go as myself, though, and just try to smooth things back over. I have a very likable face.
2: (laughs) And you just upped your charisma,
0: didn't you?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Creedent will walk up to these gentlemen, and and I will buy them a drink. Let me know how much that is.
0: Completely negligible.
1: (laughs) Okay. I do, I do have nine copper tracts.
2: Yeah, but we have we have like 333 gold apiece or something like that.
0: You spend three of those nine copper and you've bought the whole bar around.
2: Excellent. Okay.
1: I'll say, I- Hi, I I wanted to just apologize for earlier. I think we maybe got off on the wrong foot. The truth is that, y- you know, we, we had heard that the- our, our colleagues, the sharp edge of the pub that were here to investigate the Missing apprentice of the art stage. We hadn't heard if they had actually completed the job. We just wanted to come here and, and follow up on it a little bit. And we had heard that perhaps there was something in the lake nearby. We were we were just trying to, to look around a little bit. We weren't trying to take any fish or anything. It, it, it did seem like. Did you did you see anything while you were watching us?
0: Just your friend over there fishing with an axe. It seemed like there were like big bubbles in the mud. Is that normal? Oh yeah, the lake bubbles all the time.
1: What? What's causing that? That's I've never seen that before. I
0: don't. I don't know. Roll me deception.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> that is a non-natural twin, or no, not twenty. Uh, eighteen. Yeah, he's like. I mean, I don't. I don't know why the lake bubbles, but you look. It. I just wouldn't mess around with the lake. I mean, it's it's dangerous place leave it to the professionals, and try to let us, you know, make a living here catching our frogs.
1: Well, what kind of hazards do you usually encounter out there? I mean, I did nearly get stuck.
0: Well, you know, like quick, quick sand mud, you know, quick, quick mud. You can, you could sink to your death if you're not careful.
1: Yeah, I think I nearly experienced that one. Well, do you have any good tales of things that you've done on the lake? weird things that you've caught?
0: Uh, yeah. I caught a lungfish once. And he describes the ugliest fish you've ever heard of. Please roll me insight.
1: I just have like a hide the pain face on. Rem's like, this is so
0: gross.
2: <laughs> it looked nice. Oh, I rolled a that one. Yeah. But like an earshot. Can she roll insight too? <laughs> sure. She's absolutely eavesdropping. Oh, I did much better. That was an eighteen plus five is twenty three.
0: Okay, they've accepted the like, smoothing it over. They seem to be like, okay. This chick doesn't know anything, and she's just messing around, whatever. But they are absolutely avoiding anything of substance around their jobs at the lake. Okay. And you're pretty sure this lungfish story is real, but not at all interesting.
1: Probably not their most interesting stories. Right. Okay. After a little bit of them
0: describing gross fish
1: to me, I, will, I think I will just determine that this is not very useful and wish them a nice night.
0: There's not, and thanks. Thanks for the beer. They don't stay very long, honestly. They finish their beers up and then they go put their giant muddy galoshes back on and wander away.
1: I come back and I'm like, they were very nice. <laughs> Do you tell me that you think that they were lying about their story?
2: Uh, yeah, Lulain says they were, let us say, not wearing their hearts on their sleeves with you.
1: Oh, I totally missed that.
2: I was right. They are suspicious. They, are, they were deflecting you with near nonsense. There is something else going on out there and they know about it. All right, to the graveyard. Best place to go at night.
3: (laughs) So the
0: graveyard is moderately well taken care of. There is a fresh grave where an alchemist has been buried. They didn't label the thing, so it's just a spot of dirt that was dug out and put back. Mm -hmm.
2: Boolean will again use the eyes of the grave.
0: No sign of undead here.
2: No sign of undead. Okay. And it doesn't look like the grave has been disturbed in any way. She says, all right, well, perhaps it was nothing to worry about after all.
0: You all are resting at the inn for the night.
1: I did bathe.
0: Creedon, you're asleep and you feel a cold draft across your cheek. Uh, I I rouse? There's a an image of a man next to your bed. What does he look like? Mm, he looks kind of like a fisherman. You notice he's missing fingers on both hands, like he's got a total of seven fingers. And he looks down at you and says, you're a wizard, aren't you?
1: Something like that. What are you doing in my room?
0: I came to make an offer.
1: I tend to not make offers with people that break into my room in the middle of the
0: night. I must continue the work of my master before me. I have found a way to give those who practice magic an eternal life (laughs) outside that shell.
1: I'm listening.
0: (laughs) If you wish, I have a magic spell. It can transform you into a being like me.
1: Is this dude, like, incorporeal? Yeah. Mm.
0: He's definitely not touching the floor.
1: I do kind of like being, um,
0: material. It's overrated. But if you're attached to that flesh bag, I'll give you a night to think about it.
1: No, I was just about to ask if I could mull it over for a little bit.
0: (laughs) Don't keep me waiting. I'll see you tomorrow night. With that, he just sort of drifts through your bedroom wall.
1: Yeah, I don't sleep the rest of the night.
3: (laughs)
0: And that is our show today. In case you can't tell, there are two plots going on in town, and they're going to get a little jumbled together. So just try to keep them separate as we go. Don't forget to give us a rating and review. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson of My Pet Machine for our tunes, Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our amazing logo, and Tim Beach, the original author of The Town of North Bank in the 1990s. Will our heroes figure out what nefarious activities are afoot? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey.